Welcome to the Undead Wookiee Podcast, episode 93, Profondo Rosa, also known as Deep Red from 1975. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times we dip into other genres because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello and welcome back, and we've got a fantastic episode lined up for you today. Now, before I introduce my incredible co-host... Let's check out the trailer for Profondo Rosa from We are back, ladies and gentlemen, and I can hear him putting on his black gloves just as we speak. I am joined by the one, the only, Mr. Darren Hall. How the devil are you, sir? Hello, Hugh. I'm very well. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm good. I'm good. I couldn't get the gloves on. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone more for the uh, the, uh, the Carlos Lover look tonight, so I'm in my nice floral... Um, uh, kimono. So, nice. Uh, just keep that nice. image in your head as we're going through. I, I will do. I will do. <laughs> as it burns I've, your eyes. <laughs> I've got my uh, white linen suit on and my black shirt. I'm I'm all ready to go. <sighs> wow, this is just. <laughs> I mean, uh, right. We are talking before we go into any of this. We are talking uh, deep red, or to give it its proper title, profondo rosso. Uh, from 1975, um, and this is just—I'd forgotten just how mind-blowing this film is, and just how it leaves you on the first viewing going, "Huh? Okay, yes, it's brilliant, but okay." And then the second viewing, you get more into it, and then by the time you get like—I think I watched this three times this week, and. Wow. Um, apart from my wife's concerns about my general mental health, um, <laughs> this is mind blowing. It's a mind blowing film, mind blowing. So I watched this earlier this week. Um, it's the second watch for me, and I watched it for the first time last year, um, early last year. And on the first watch, I was just like blown away by it. Yeah, and I was like, I was just thinking. This is something special. This is, um, it was early into the Jello for me. So I'd watched Suspiria and then I watched this, um, obviously following the, the Argento journey. Yes. Um, and then I watched it this week and the experience was completely different. And it's just, it's kind of blown my mind a little bit. 
because I kind of had from from last year. I kind of had in my my head what my feelings were about this film, mm. um, and all that changed when I watched it again. And I'm still kind of figuring out what what that is all about. Um, it's considerably longer than I remember. Um, the first half is so slow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just didn't remember that from the first viewing. I kind of, um, I don't want to jump around too much, but when it, when we get to that, it's like not even the, it's not even the second half. It's like the final third. Yeah. Yeah. Of this film is when it picks up pace. But even then, the pace isn't, and so like it is, the pace isn't rapid at any point in this film, is it? No, no, it's glacial at times. Yeah, um, an absolute slow, like a psychological slow burner. Yeah, um, but I mean, it's pedestrian. Yes. I think it's got to be one of the slowest films out there. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, it's visually stunning. Mm. It is absolutely stunning. Um, just, and so layered. This film is so layered and can be interpreted in so many ways. And I think, it, like, it, like you said, it's one of those films that when people go, oh, you know, every time you go back and you see it, there's something different. Yeah. I think you And can... I can vouch for that, definitely. Yeah. And I think when you go back and you watch this, you can have a... It can be a different film f- for your viewing. Um, yeah. I think you can have... You know, like the first time you watch it, you spend the first time going, what? Oh, okay. Right, this is really, really, really strange. Uh, and then other times you could go, oh, this is really dragging, this is really slow. And then, you know, by the time you get onto your third view, it's this is kind of like you, you you start seeing some of the layers peeled back, and you kind of look at it from a different angle. And it is a very it, this is such a pun intended deep film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's I think you you need to know the story before you can spend time enjoying it visually. Yes, because because it's so slow and it's 1975 Italian Jello. Um, it takes quite a bit of concentration to follow the story, even though the story's very straight, it's very linear. But you're ex, you're kind of expecting there to be so much more to it because it's so slow and so layered. Yeah. And it's kind of, and until you've like broken all that down and you, and you know that you know the story and then you can start looking at the, you know, the brilliant brilliance of Argento and the way this, you know, the, the numerous different techniques he uses in this film. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, it, it's a brilliant example for why I'm not a ratings guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I go on. Uh, on the internet and look up films and stuff and it might have a rating that's three out of ten yeah it's meaningless to me because like with this film i would have i would would have rated it far higher on the first viewing 
than I did on the, than I would on the second. Mm. So where where do you go on the third? It's all about you know your mood, how tired you are, yeah. You know whether you've got other things on your mind. You know is there something else that you wanted to do, yeah. While you're watching this, yeah, you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So it, it's a great example for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for those of you who are not familiar with with, with uh, Deep Red or Profondo also, um, this of course was directed by the great. Uh, Dario Argento. Um, it was produced by Salvatore Argento. Uh, it was written by Argento, uh, Dario Argento, and uh, Bernardo uh, Zappini. Um, it stars the awesome David Hemmings, um, yep. who's just a he's just a brilliant actor. He is a I you know I re- I don't think I've he's just a very very cool actor who. You know, from the I think you know you, you look at him from the late sixties, seventies. He is the he is the pinnacle of London cool, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you got uh, Dario Nicoldi in this, uh, Gabriele Lavai, um, Macha Merelli, uh, and the wonderful Clara Calame, um, yeah. who's who's a phenomenal, phenomenal, iconic actress. Uh, yeah. of Italian cinema. Um but like you know of course people remember David Hemmings from Charge of the Light Brigade, um Gladiator when he was much older, um but also from another Italian uh, sort of giallo um is blown up. Yeah. Um which obviously kind of crosses over with with this in some ways it, it crosses over the, the, the it's kind of the same kind of universe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean that's that's a that's another movie that's incredibly slow, yes, and thoughtful, um, but very very sinister at the same time. Deeply, deeply sinister. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I was no, going to say I think with David Hemmings, um, he he's just from that old school kind of. Actors Guild, isn't he? It's just like kind of bulletproof, get the job done, kind of Michael Caine sort of school of thinking. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, all, it's, always look pristine, you know, sharp suit, sharp wit. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but that, it's that glint in the eye, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he sort of, you know, he started, you know, life as a bit of a, he was a bit of a child actor. Um and then he kind of moved up to sort of uh, low budget, some teen musicals, those kind of things. And then he sort of really hit his stride um, in, uh, like, like I said, Blown Up, Charge of the Light Brigade. Um, there was another great film of his, Is Eye of the Devil. It's another great I, one. I haven't seen that one. I'll uh, check it out. You know, he's a really, really interesting, interesting actor. And he sort of went from leading man to character actor um and he's just a fascinating fascinating like you said he is of that generation he is that yeah. gen- that that generation of actor and he's just so cool in this one of the things i wrote down is he spends a lot of the film in uh, time in this film sort of um looking incredibly cool and totally confused by everything that's going on yeah. around him yeah yeah he's um he is perplexed throughout throughout this film, um, which fits into kind of the bizarreness of yeah. the story. Um, yeah. 
because it is very bizarre. One thing I was going to ask you, which version did you watch of this? Um, the Arrow, the latest Arrow release. Yeah, so did I. And, I. and did you watch, how did you watch it? So I watched the hybrid version, which is where it's in English dubbing until it's kind of lost footage and then it switches to Italian for um, those um, kind of found injected scenes. I have seen that version, but I just watched the straight theatrical release. Ah. Uh, I did watch the straight theatrical release. Um, so is that is, so that has all the extra bits missing? Yes. Then does it? Yeah. Yes. So, yes. So, so I think it's about. I think it works at about one hundred and twenty-five minutes. Yeah, I uh, think that's the reason why I preferred my first viewing to the second because I watched the the hybrid. So it's two. I think it's two hundred and seven minutes. Yeah. Um, no, sorry, two hours seven minutes. That version that I watched. Um. And it's so jarring when it switches. So you, you're um, it's in English. Yeah. Um, and then it'll be a scene that's in Italian. Um, quite you know, the quality drops a little bit. I mean, it's Arrow, so it's not you know, it's sublime. Yeah. Um, but it's there's nothing. I see. I you know, I see why they do this for completeness and and purity of of picture but i didn't think any of the extra bits that were put in were needed no so that so therefore they just stretch the timeline yeah and i mean i think like the thing with argento he's quite indulgent anyway to to, mm. to be you know understatement of the year he is he, he's he is indulgent and deep red he is more indulgent um, he talked about sort of being completely at ease making this film because he wanted, you know, he, he knew his vision from the moment he wrote it in a couple of days to when they started filming. And I think yeah. that totally comes across. Um, yeah. And he's not the greatest. I think a lot of Italian, uh, you know, and I think Bava is guilty of this. Uh, Fulci is guilty of this. Argento most certainly... Uh, they're not when they're in the flow of it, they're not the greatest at editing their work. Yeah. Um and of course this is you know, and unlike all Italian films at the time in this, all the sound was recorded ADR, so it's all done after. Yeah. So the fact that it's like like you said, those moments where it goes between English to Italian to back, and then there's a drop in slight drop in quality and then it's back, it that, that again, that's quite it's quite jarring. Yeah, it really is. It really is, and and kind of, kind of laboursome, unnecessary dialogue as well. It seems to be what was put back in. Yeah. So there's um, when he's talking to his mate at the fountain. Yeah. Um, when it switches back to an injected part, it's it's just a, it's a chat that adds very little to the story. Yeah. And um I mean that scene at the at the fountains long enough as it is. <laughs> and, um and yeah, it's uh I think yeah, I think in the future when I watch this I'll I'll stick to the theatrical release for sure. Yeah. Before we go any further, 
Yes. How would you describe the plot? Um. So it's uh, there's a guy, there's a jazz, a jazz pianist who is David Hemmings, Marcus Staley, who witnesses a murder. Um. And the person who is murdered is a kind of psychic who she picks up on the murder in the room. And I think that's why she becomes a target. So Marcus sees her being murdered, runs to her aid. He knows that he lives in, he lives in the same building, runs to her aid. It's too late. She's dead. He notices something whilst he's in her flat, which kind of, sticks with him doesn't it it's yeah. just like it, it it just sticks in his head and he can't get it out and the police are j- just really weird they're um, just the worst police ever <laughs> yeah so he, he partners with he partners up with a journalist and they they set out to unravel the case and and discover who the murderer is um it kind of takes I don't want to call it a twist, but it, it takes a turn, doesn't it? Where yes. he he is potentially going to be suspicious, uh, su- suspected, sorry, of um, of committing these crimes. So then it kind of amps up a bit then. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a straight. It's a pretty straightforward who done it, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and what, and then obviously it is a very you know in terms of plot, it is a very very straightforward plot. But what Argento does, he layers this with with meaning um, he, and just every sort of theatrical flourish and sort of uh, camera camera trick in his arsenal um, yeah. to create this really sort of unnerving um, film. Um, that's just yeah, ladled it, with symbolism. It asks, it makes you ask questions, which it then answers, which is a real skill. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, even the sort of you know when it opens up and we're in the theatre, um, and the theatre is bathed in red. Yeah. Um, it is, you know, it's and again, it's it's almost sort of you know the, one of the things that, the staging of this is theatrical. Is yeah. is incredibly theatrical. It's almost operatic, um, and like this, it, it almost feels like it's sort of almost Twin Peaks esque. You get it's definitely yeah. You, you, it's definitely got elements of that. This you know you've got this 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 giant red room, this red and gold room, um, um, you know the, the this like the sheer opulence of it, and. We get sort of um, Helga Ullman, who is the psychic, which is quite interesting, actually, that they have these sort of supernatural elements to the giallo. Because generally, yeah. the giallo, within the giallo genre, um, there's very, very little supernatural. And this, you know, obviously Argento then with, with Suspiria and with this and Phenomena and a few other. Uh, there is, you know, and even his previous giallos, there are no supernatural elements. You know, um, Bird of the Crystal Plumage, uh, Cat and Nine Tails. There is no supernatural elements in it. Um, so he's given us something slightly different in this giallo. You know, we get the Black Love Killer. Yeah. We get the POV. 
Yeah. Um, what's really interesting is the killer's hands are Argento's hands. Oh, did he, not know that. He, um, he wore the gloves himself. Um, for all, so, so whenever there's a murder with just the gloves, it's Argento. And the reason why he did it was he said it would save time to, instead of teaching the actor because yeah. he knew he knew how the death what he 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 could how did he describe it? I think he describes it, he can he could feel the death in his hands and he would be able <laughs> to get it get it across, um, yeah. which is deeply disturbing. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I know how to kill guys. Let me just do this. And I mean, this is it's brutal. The, you know the, the the murder scenes in this are elaborate and brutal. Um, yeah, they're so they're so jello, aren't they? Oh God, With yeah. The, they're yeah. like the um, almost luminescent red blood, and yeah. uh, and they love a bit of glass, don't they? They love a glass killing. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, there's always a blade. I mean, it's always blades, isn't it? And um, you know, good old meat cleaver. Yes. Well, one of the alternative titles for this is the Hatchet Murders. Ah. As one of the was one of the alternatives. So, so it you know its original title is Profondo Rosso, Deep Red, and then it's also known as the Hatchet Murders. Um. I can't believe they didn't throw in a massacre there somewhere. And, Hatchet you know, massacre. Yeah, and I, and for a Jallo as well, you you you'd kind of want you know, where's the elaborate title? Hmm. You know, um, something like "I spit on your Dalmatian pup," yeah. <laughs> trapped in a room with knives. Yeah. <laughs> but it's you know this is he set out. He talks about agenda. Talks about that he set out to create the Jallo of Jallos. Yeah, uh, I saw a I saw a brief a, a bit of a a bit of the footage off the Arrow um, Blu-ray. Where he was saying that he and the producer and all the actors felt like they created something special, like they were creating something special. And when it got to the end of filming, mm. um, they felt like their conversations were about how they felt they'd done something special here. Yeah, and I and I think that's probably leads to his kind of confidence, maybe arrogance about this film. Because uh, I mean, he's he's clear cut on his opinion of it, isn't he? Oh yeah, I mean, this, you know, he he, I think in his own mind, he had made his his Citizen Kane. This is, you yeah. know, and I think it's fair to possibly, you know, it is it is probably one of the best Jallos out there. Um, what's really really interesting about Deep Red is one of one way you could look at it. It is the the old taking on the new um mm. you know italy is sort of you know obviously 19, 1970s going through significant changes since the second world war um the, the country is still in a lot of turmoil um there's still like political assassinations going on um but at the same time it is becoming a very very cool modern country and a, and a sort of when you sort of think about some of like the other jalos you think about the classics you think about the mario bava blood and black lace you think about there is always that sort of gothic element to them yeah 
and our jet. Yeah, yeah, sorry, go on. I was going to say it's it is very it's very light, it's very clean, and I think it's very consistent, which is kind of sets it apart a little bit. You know, it's because um, they they usually go a little bit squiffy. Yeah, or around something, the middle. Don't yeah, they? something something completely bizarre happens that you go, okay, right, <laughs> all right, we're going with that for a little bit. <laughs> And then, we, yeah. and then we somehow get back. But, like, here we've got the old versus the new. And I think if you look at, like, David's apartment, it is – it's very, very modern. Very, yeah. very chic. Um, you look at Carlo uh, when he goes to visit Carlo with his mother uh, and he discovers that Carlo is gay. Um, and you look at that apartment. And, again, it's, it's sort of – you know, Marx's apartment um, is – very, very sort of almost expressionistic uh, um, in the way that it looks. But actually at the heart of this is that gothic mansion. Yeah. And you get that sort of the new encroaching on the old and then you get the conflict from that, Um, which is really interesting, which is, which is is such a, it's, it's such a brilliant way to do that. And you sort of, then by the time we get to the twist, Again, it's the old killing the new or trying to kill the new. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a really good way of framing it. I think um, the relationships in it as well are really complex. So you've got um, Marcus with his buddy, uh, whose name escapes me, uh, who's um, the alcoholic, Carlo. Yeah. The alcoholic. Um, he's clearly very worried about him. Um and then he develops the relationship with the journalist, yeah, um, Gianna. Yes, um, and that's very. I mean, for a giallo, the kind of light relief of their relationship, yeah, and it's quite refreshing and quite, I think, groundbreaking for the genre. Yeah, because it really stands out, doesn't it? And actually, and you know. There's a lot of role reversal in this. Um, yeah. Because David is more often than not the damsel in distress. Yeah. Yeah, he spends a lot of time talking about how sensitive he is. Yes. And, like, you know, you look at the arm wrestling scene um, between him and... But <laughs> <laughs> he, he definitely loses. Oh, God, yeah. She, you know, but, like, what's really interesting about that is this idea that you've got this flirtation going on there. I mean, it's hardly yeah. Thomas Crown affair over the chess game, is it? No, um, no. But what you have is you have the lead character who is quite au fait um, at times. Yeah. Um, and he is very sensitive. And he's not an ultra macho man. And actually, when you look at all the men in this film... Um, they're they're all quite weak. Yeah, they're they're academics and musicians, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, and and weak of character. Um, yeah. And you get this sort of, you almost get this sense of David is the emasculated uh, Marcus. Sorry, is 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 the emasculated male. Um, yeah. In this film, and it's a film actually about emasculation um 
which leads, you know, which which does lead to the ultimate reveal in the end of it. Um, yeah. And I mean, load, uh, you know, the, the, a lot of like film uh, theorists as well have said about how it fits in with the with sort of um, neo feminism and, and the, the, the sort of neo feminism movement within Italy at that at this time. Um, and I am, you know, not even going to get into that because I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm already on, I'm on thin fucking ice as we, you know, talking about yeah. it as it is. But the this film doesn't play on gender stereotypes. No, at all. It's, it doesn't play on gender stereotypes. And in fact, Marcus is kind of like Jessica Fletcher. Do yeah. you know what I mean? He, you know, he's yeah. he's doing this sort of who done it. Um, but his physical pr- presence throughout any of this it, it, is is totally ineffectual. And I think I think that as well is, I mean, you'd probably be slammed by a lot of people by just setting this as a who done it, but it is a who done it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and it really takes from a lot of the kind of the, you know like the from the fifties and stuff like oh this has got Bogart stuff. Um, <clears throat> Well, there's a direct reference to noir in this. Um, that scene where uh, Marcus walks past the blue bar right at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, that is um, that that was inspired by that shot was inspired by Edward Hopper's um, or Hooper. Sorry, I'm not quite sure which, which way to pronounce it. His painting, The Night Talks. Yeah, I love that painting as well. It's, it's awesome. It's so cool. It is just yeah. it is just so cool. But that that shot, um, that framing of that shot, that it gives it that noir feel to it. But what yeah. Argento does really cleverly, um, instead of giving us this smooth, jazzy soundtrack. We get this like raucous, jarring goblin soundtrack. Yeah, and I was going to say, I wanted us to just pause and and talk about the titles <laughs> when we get to it of this film. Yeah, because <laughs> we kind of um, we get, don't we? We we get past the 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 scene uh, in the theater. Yeah, and uh, Marcus and. Um, Carlo have their little bit, and then we just all of a sudden the the goblin soundtrack, yeah, kicks in, yeah, and then we get that weird scene of the killer, the killer's table of paraphernalia. I mean, in terms of like montage, I mean this is like the Rocky montage of Jalo, because it's, <laughs> it's just I mean how what what pops into your mind when you think about that that paraphernalia that we kind of we so it the camera kind of pans over it doesn't it yeah and you've got i mean the music in this film is unbelievable yes. it's just it's just so so just amazing it's just amazing it's goblin at its best yeah. and um but we, and we've got that and it's i mean the bass riffs alone are just amazing oh and, god um, yeah and, and you can feel it yeah but then we've got what? There's like a, there's a doll with a noose around its neck. Yeah. There's the black gloves. There's some kind of like twisted Satan doll. Yeah, doll with pins in it. Yeah. There's um, 
just like a there's a uh is it st- the knife yeah it's just the, like the, the a stiletto yeah it's like flick blade that's all rusted yeah and it's just like for your little weird mon- like it is a little weird montage isn't it but it, it's something just so cool about it it's just really oh god yeah or so odd it's yeah. like really how can something so odd all of a sudden become really cool or you stick goblin over the top of it. <laughs> I, I, I would like to try an experiment where you stick goblin over anything and see, I think it automatically becomes cool. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I thought? I was, this is going to see where my brain is at some days. I was washing the dishes after watching it and I was thinking about what would be cool um, if you just stuck like a bit of goblin over the top of it. I yeah. reckon if you chucked and I may have to do this. <laughs> Just so sad. Um, it's chuck a bit of goblin over the start of Postman Pat. Yeah, that. Yeah, just do it. Do it. You need to do it. I, I, I need to do this now, don't I? I need yeah. to do this. Yeah, get it on the channel. I'm going to give you a little insight as well how my brain works in a similar way. But before COVID, and we used to go to things, do you remember shopping malls? Yes, vaguely. Uh, yeah, we, we used to go... Um, <laughs> Whenever I go to shopping malls, I would play the Dawn of the Dead music. The gonk. Yeah. <laughs> no, not the gonk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know the really cool one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't. I can't remember what it's called now. But yeah. that's. Um, and when we get back to, to normality, wherever that comes, uh, just do it. Go to. Go to a shopping mall, put that tune on, and then just stand and watch everybody shuffle around. Yeah, and and it takes you straight into Dawn of the Dead. It's amazing. <laughs> but it's like that scene is it it it's there. It and it's sort of you know that this killer is is this killer is not your standard Jallo murderer. No. And like, what's interesting about this is the sort of all the sexualized elements, yeah, are pushed to the background in this. But actually, what's at the forefront of it is is the murder, is the death. Yeah, there, you know, that is front and center of it. The violence is the front and center of the of it, as opposed to the sort of sexualized elements. Or the titillation that you get with like blood, blood and black lace, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or the yeah. Um, the S and M sort of vibe that you get from Cat and Nine Tails. So yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting one. It's quite an it's a it's, it's such it's so fascinating. It's just so fascinating. Yeah, because the the sexualization is really really t- toned down for Jello on this yeah. one. Um, yeah. and and you you've got to think about where. Argento's head must have been out because if you if you see Dracula 3D, <laughs> <laughs> it goes completely the other way. Yes, um, <clears throat> yes. And it's borderline erotica, um, and so he's not afraid of stripping people down. No, um, but this isn't like that. You're right. It's it is all about the 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 case, isn't it? The who done it and yeah. the. And the murders along the way. Yeah, I mean, this, you know, this has more in common 
with Agatha Christie than um, it does with sort of slasher, you know, the slasher movie. This yeah. is, you know, I mean, Chris, you know, lots of people, if, you know, if you go back and I've said this before, um, I'm a huge fan of Agatha Christie. And my wife is like an uber fan of Christie and has read everything about Agatha Christie and knows everything. <laughs> um, but actually, uh, if you go and look at Then They Were None, that's a giallo. Without a yeah. shadow of a doubt, that is a giallo. And it is the proto-slasher. There is no two ways about that. It is a proto slasher giallo, and it this follows those you know th- not beat for beat, but there it, it's in the same kind of area. It's on the same kind of path, yeah. just with just some bizarro robotic doll yeah. that appears up, which is just which is just just an amazing scene. We'll come on to that later, but. Yeah. Yeah. This, you know, no, go on. I mean, talking about the murder, um, so Marcus, he, you know, he's working on the case um, and he's trying to, he's trying to find this house of the ghost, isn't he? Yes. Is it, is it house of the screaming ghost or yes. house, of, house yeah. of the ghost, something like yeah. that? And he finds, he finds a book in the library, um, retreated to a scene where he looks his most afraid where he's ripping a page out of a book in a library, but we've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's scary, scary. Um, yeah. But he um, he finds out that, it, it, that there's a book about this 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 house, and he sets out to find the author, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. But the author is visited by our killer. Yeah. Be- before that, I mean, that, that murder... Is brutal as hell. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, um, the, the author is uh, Amanda Regretti, um, uh, played by uh, Juliana Calandra. Um, and I mean, if you directly went on to inspire Halloween, you know, one of the murders in Halloween too. Oh, did it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know, death by scalding. Yeah, you scalding know. and drowning. I'm not being and, funny. And... How fucking hot is the water in Italy? And uh, oh well, man. Well, you know, you know, you end up. It's, uh, it's hot <laughs> enough to burn your face off. <laughs> That's pretty much how hot it is. But I think um, it's just kind of you've got to you've got to react appropriately, haven't you? You you walk back into your house and there's a doll yeah. hanging from a noose in the middle of your living room. Yeah. Yep. Leave. Yeah. Don't go and grab a knitting needle and then kill your and, bird. Uh, and kill your bird. <laughs> Um, just leave. You can't, yeah. you can't, just don't, don't hang around. No, no. And do you know what I love about that scene? Is the killer's eye just appearing in the wardrobe. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's, it's you know, and then you get the use of like the, um, so the sound in this scene is, I mean, if you want to teach people about uh, if you want to teach like film theory about the use of diegetic and non-diegetic sound, this is a brilliant example of it because it is just it the the noise and the build up to this between the birds screaming, the goblin soundtrack starting, the sound of the of 
um, the the characters sort of you know uh, Amanda's panicking and yeah. sort of all the stuff going. On. It is just it's 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 sort of cacophonous yeah. in there. It is you know it's first class. It is absolutely first class um, and brutal. Yeah, brutal. Yeah. It is a shocking. It's a shocking murder. It really is because it's. I mean, she's already done for, isn't she? Oh really? yeah. Um, and it's just adding insult to injury to uh, take the time yeah. to run a scalding hot bath, yeah. and then stick her head in it. Yeah. Yeah. Until her face resembles Vaseline. Yes, it is. It's it's awful. It is awful, but she still has time to leave the clue. Yeah. Which takes the professor guy so long to work out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, he's looking at her, he's looking at her fingers pointing at the mirror, but he still has to go over to the other mirror and draw on it as if, I wonder what happens if you I, draw on a steamy mirror. How does steam like, work there? on glass? <laughs> hmm. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, but she's pointing, dudes. She's pointing yeah, at she's it. Point- and then you get. I like how he gets a bollocking off the uh, cleaner, or the house. Uh, yes. The housekeeper. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Having a bath. Yeah. You're going to use up all the hot water. Yeah. That's... You could just. You could just hear it. I'm going to have to put the immersion on now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, it tickled me that bit where he's like scratching his cheek. Mm, yeah. Steep. Hmm. Could be a clue here. <laughs> <laughs> It is, like I said, it, you know, it, it you could see the influence then that you know Carpenter took uh, when he was at yeah he, he had to step in and do some add some additional stuff to Halloween too. Um, you can see because they wanted more they wanted more death yeah uh, in Halloween too, and you can see where he you know because of course him and Argento were friends. Um, that's where they sort of you know they've decided you know they they go in they added that in there. It's a great it's it's a brilliant death. I almost did a Donald Pleasance, uh, you don't know what death is. Yeah. (laughs) Hold back. (laughs) Now, this is, you know, this is a film that has some bizarre characters in it. Yeah. Do you have any particular favourites? So the journalist, for one, Gianna. Yeah. Um she's so kind of out there. Yeah. Um, and I can't, it's difficult to know what her, her motivations are. I mean, she's, so she's really like down on herself. Um, you know, she gives herself a real hard time, doesn't she? Yeah. Um, she claims to be chasing the story. Um, and, and I can she claims to be to chasing the story. She's obviously infatuated with um, Marcus. Yeah. Uh, and you and you kind of like, does she just want to? Is she just trying to get close to him? I mean, it's all bait, isn't it? it she's yeah. set up that way, so we we assume she's the killer. It's kind yeah. of the it's one of the more obvious red herrings in the film. Um, but she's just really bizarre. Um, but I think she placed she's second second place to the weird girl who likes sticking needles through her 
blizzards. Oh, what's that all about? <laughs> and, then, that all about? and I mean the 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 right hander that her father gives her. Oh, and because he's a big dude. Yeah. Now, realistically, that should have like sent her crashing across the road. She should have been doing an exorcist impression <laughs> with that slap. <laughs> it's like what the fuck. <laughs> But it, Daddy, I, Daddy but, I can see my ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that scene does not fit anywhere in the film. It's it's completely irrelevant to everything. It just it's just sort of like I'm. We're just gonna because here's the other thing that pit toothpick through that lizard is real. They yeah. killed that lizard for real, which is just like what does that say? Which we, which we don't want, and no. we don't need, and the movie doesn't need it. No. So, I think maybe it might. Maybe she just did it, or I actually did it in the film and got a real. Slap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's just like you were supposed to be filming the next hour of this film with uh, Marcus, but <laughs> yeah, can't trust you anymore. No, you know, but it's, but it is, it's again, it's one of those moments in the film where you go, what, what, and it's like when. Um, oh, what's her name? When because uh, Daria Nicoldi is 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 the journalist. What's the character's name? Um, uh, uh, Tiana. Yeah, when she shows up, she just waltzes right through the middle of a crime scene. Yeah, and just starts taking pictures. Yeah. And did you know she she takes like one one picture of just probably she got the skirting board and a bit of the floor, and then the next picture she takes of him. Yeah. And then she fucks off, and you're like, that's amazing journalism. Yeah. Just like wanders she ex- in. Exposes him, doesn't she? Yes. Because um, he's really pissed off. Yeah. It's like, thanks for telling the killer who I am. Yeah. And like, but not only is there like a little, you know, is, he's got these, his face is blown across yeah. the front page of like the Italian version of the Daily Mirror. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? But I mean, who did you think? Who's your bizarre um, character? Um, I really, really liked um, the professor um, Giordani, uh, and because he's just like the worst professor ever. <laughs> he's just it, it's you know again he's like. Exposition dump in the middle of the film, but it's delivered so strangely. It's so weird, um, and he's of no use. Yeah. He, do, he but he's just it's just he's just such an interesting character to have around. You know, because yeah. he his like character kicks it all off. Yeah, he kind of uh, he just it just drops nuggets to me. Yeah. Of, uh, he's like, mm, I was thinking the other day about. The House of the Screaming Child. And it's like, what? Oh, were you? As you do. As you do. You could just imagine him just wandering around going, hmm, I wonder. Hmm. No, wait a minute. How does steam work? <laughs> it's just, it's... Where's my pipe? Yeah. It's and definitely then... missing a pipe. I have... Every yeah. time I see him, I was like, where is your pipe? That's how you know somebody's a scientist. <laughs> But it's that mo. But he also gets probably the most famous death. Yeah. In the film. 
Yeah. Um, where we get that creepy ass animatronic doll. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's um, it's funny that isn't it? Because he um, he phones up Marcus, doesn't he? Because he he susses out once he works out the power of steam. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he works out who the the well, he finds out who the who the killer is. He phones Marcus, and yeah. he's in he's in the house of the screaming child, yes. doing his detective. Um, so the killer picks up the phone and finds out that the professor knows. So then, obviously, goes to his house to set up to just the best kill in this in this film. Yeah, I mean, fancy thinking. Right, he knows who I am. Best thing to do, get my ancient animatronic book to yeah. wheelie doll. That is just so... It, stick it in the cupboard. the creepiest thing ever. Oh, man. It is so creepy. It's, oh, and then it just comes, like, charging across, and then just the killer then dives from a window. Just, and yeah, then it's... slams his head in, in his mouth into the corner of the mantelpiece. Yeah, and that's when you know you're in a jello. Because when it's eyes and mouth and all that kind of thing, it's... But then we don't just get, like, the mouth on the mantelpiece. We get the mouth on the desk. Yeah. And then if that's not enough, then he gets stabbed through his neck, pinning him to the table. Yeah, he's done for. Oh, which is just, and then you get the, obviously we get the the red, the sort of uh, not quite Kensington gore, but it's it's red, it's bright bright red. Yeah, yeah. There's um, there's a bit, there's a, a couple of instances in this film, in this in this film where people just the liquid that they're drinking, they just decide to dribble all over themselves. So there's, <laughs> there's a lot of dribbling in this. There's Helga at the start where she's um, drinking, well, they give her a drink of water, don't they? Yeah, she's shot, and she just kind of it all just runs out of her mouth yeah and then he's he's drinking his tea and he's just like you know what i'm gonna do with this tea oh, just <laughs> dribble it <laughs> so, um, yeah. which is you know again it's like it serves no purpose yeah, I know. it serves it's no bizarre. purpose you know how do you how you know, how are we going to, you know, how are we going to, you know, portray how the character is stressed? What do you think? I'm just going to dribble. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That sounds like a plan. Must go for it. Go for it. Because this is, the, I think this is like the the dichotomy of this film in so many ways is that this is beautifully shot. Yeah. And the one thing that I love about this is the the use of depth of field. Um, and the depth of field shot, um, essentially what the depth of field shot is, is you get the emphasis, um, it emphasizes the, the, the sort of the focal point by separating the foreground and the background. Right. So um, you get that during like one of um, Marx's conversations and, uh, and um, his friend where they're walking along and you get the sort of, you get the three women lined up behind them. And you can see, like the pair of them, they're right at the front. They're they're, they're yeah. right at the front of the script. But you can, but you notice there's three women almost lined up on a diagonal. That is like almost like the perfect depth of field shot. 
and then we get it again then where marcus is in his um he's in his apartment playing the piano and then that that, that creepy ass lullaby starts getting played yeah but his piano is at, t- at the front and then behind him we have all that space yeah yeah they do it really well in the professor's um apartment yes you know like when he's at his desk yeah and he's right and you can really feel the size of the room can't you but what it does it gives us that that sort of really is there something lurking behind yeah and like by separating like the, the by separating the foreground from the background as well are, is there something symbolic about that? Is there something going on with those like three women being lined up behind them? No, because it's just a really cool shot. Yeah. But in yeah, David's no, apartment, it, there's that fear. Yeah. And the same, and uh, I should stop calling him the professor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, he is. He's a prof- uh, is, he we is were a told professor. he's a professor of psychology and parapsychology. And witchcraft. And witchcraft, <laughs> which is like. Okay, and who's his friend who shows oh. up? Yeah, we, 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 we don't need to talk about it. It's just... <laughs> it just, just doesn't bring anything to it at all. But yeah, I'm just thinking there is a shot when he's drinking the tea. Yeah. Um, they, they use a chair to separate the space. Yes. Um, it's like a little armchair, and it makes him look really far back. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, and he gets that kick-ass letter opener. Yeah, that is a pretty cool. That is a pretty cool. It's <laughs> straight out of Rambo's back yeah. pocket. That. <laughs> How big are his letters? I know. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> but it's like it's those little touches and the yeah. the movement of the camera as well. When we're in the, yeah. you know, when we're in the, when they break into the school. Um, yeah. Towards the, you know, towards the end before we get to the climax. I love the fact that they break into the school and she goes. I'll phone the police and let them know we're here. Yeah. You've just broke in. Yeah. You've just smashed a window, trashed the place, and now you're going to phone the police to tell you that, okay, let's see how that works. But then, the you know, the, the police officers show up. None of them, you know, they've come straight from Stormtrooper Academy for shooting, for marksmanship, because none of them can hit... No. Um, <laughs> can hit They're anyone. They're all Stormtroopers. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? But it's um, I really like part of this film that I really like is when Marcus is in the house of the screaming child, yeah, uh, and he's and he's looking around. Uh, I mean, he does a really good job. Uh, he really scopes everything out, but it just it's really creepy. It's really decrepit, mm. um, and it just looks really good. And then when he starts revealing the uh, the image. Yes. I remember the first time I watched that and he started revealing the image. I just thought it was great. I was just like, oh, this is, he's, he's going to find out something now. Um, but did you notice the guy that's in the picture, like the, the, the man that's being stabbed? Yeah. Looks just look like, looks just like the guy who's looking after the house. Yes. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's definitely an image of him. I mean, he never clocks. It's like, it looks just like you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that scene... What, what, the other thing that's quite interesting, actually, um, about this film is it's, you know, it's it's 
and again, it's, we talked, we touched on it with like the, particularly with Italian cinema, is the eyes. Yeah. This film is full of eyes. Yeah. From the killer in the wardrobe to the close-ups of Marcus's eyes, um, to the fact that when he go, you know, it's all and quite unsettly as well when he walks into the mansion, he's he's almost walking through a big eye through the doorway. Yeah. So it's almost yeah. like the, you know again the eyes of the window to the soul and those kind of things, um, but that's I thought that was really really cool, that you know th- th- that it's there, um, and it's used really really subtly, um, which is yeah, but again it's one of those things that you pick up on after you've watched it a couple times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, um, one thing that I noticed watching this the second time was I had the timeline all jumbled up in my in what I remember of it so when I was watching it again I was like oh right that is so much closer to the end than I remember yeah and um and yeah the the little kind of relationship between Marcus and Gianni um or Gianna sorry um there's so much more of that than I remembered because mm. they they really they really really work on that relationship and ultimately it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like it's a film at times of loose ends. Yeah. And nothing is quite tied up to the point where you go, ah, oh, yes, I'm yes, and it's like no, no, not quite. It's <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah. There's like there's there's kind of a part where he's kind of almost feels sorry for her. Isn't it? And he's like, oh, I'll throw you a bone. Yeah. If, I, if you're not too busy, kind of thing. And it's, um, and then that scene kind of peters off to something else, doesn't it? And it's kind of, they never, they never actually make it. No. As an item. No. And I, I just wonder what, you know, what all the work behind that storytelling was for. If you get what I mean? Because yeah. they don't, they don't end up because there's a lot of investment in it in the film. Yeah, absolutely. And it's sort of like it doesn't. There's no payoff. Yeah, there is no payoff for it. And I mean, even after she's stabbed, um, and almost almost dead, um, yeah. you know, he kind of you say you know he's clearly wants to know if she's okay. But then we're on to something else. Yeah. Um. Which does bring us to the death of Gianni, or, or Gianno. Uh, we're butchering his name here, are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which, in terms of um, unfortunate accidents, oh, it's how, unbelievable. How, you know, so he's just murdered someone in the library. The yeah. police have tried to shoot him and have missed. He thinks he's away. And then talk about a total lack of health and safety. <laughs> There's a van driving around with a massive meat hook. It's 1975. It's yeah, fine. I, yes, it's fine. Yeah, it's all right. Don't worry about it. It's fine. No, who's going to get that attached to their leg? Next thing you know, you're going to say we're going to drag him for several blocks. I don't know what dragging is. <laughs> Just so fucking brutal, isn't it? It's awful. And then they slam him into a post. Yeah, just for good measure. And then if that's not enough, 
Because, I mean, it goes on for quite some time. Yeah. And he's screaming as he's been dragged. And those guys are like, doop doop <laughs> <laughs> just, just And smiling and laughing. Yeah. And then the car behind him drives over him. Squash. And the noise... Oh, man. It's is just it's like him crunching. He's just is that that sound of him being crunched up is just like oh. Um, yeah. It's, Brutal. Yeah, it's a bad scene. It's it's it, it is. However, I mean, obviously, people talk about you know the, you know the the, the the almighty ruse de guerre that is the the doll charging out. But I yeah. would probably say in terms of like set pieces, that is that is a phenomenal, phenomenal. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I was going to ask you actually, as a as a as a teacher, um, the way they discover that it's Carla is that they go to the school uh, where he <laughs> where, where he was a pupil, uh, and they raid some archives of children's drawings. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and they find this drawing from like what twenty five years before, yeah. neatly packaged, um, you know, tied up with a ribbon, and then it's a picture of like this murder scene. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, is that the kind of thing you do at your school? I mean, not with GDPR now. Uh, you'd never get anywhere near it. Um... <laughs> it's just like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Schools do keep some crap in pupils' folders. Okay. Uh, um, there are some gems, mind you, when you go back. I think currently, um, I, th- if, I think you've got to keep files now for at least 25 years. Oh, wow. Um, and then I think it's 75 years if the pupil... Yeah, it's 75 years um, then if the pupil has an additional learning need. But then all the pupil files are then sent away to be stored um, centrally. Um, so they're there forever. Oh, wow. Okay, uh, okay. But Gives it's, it some plausibility then. It, it, yeah. And it is surprising, actually, how much crap. N- nothing is ever filed in order. And nothing is ever comes out of one of those files <laughs> that neatly. <laughs> I have a... I have another question for you then. Yeah. Uh, who hits Dave? Who hits Marcus over the head when he's in? When he discovers the body. Well, that is in the, the house. Yeah. Um. Do you know what? Because that that was one of the moments that did kind of like leave me going. Well, was it? You know, was it good old? You know, was it? Uh, um, Marcus's buddy Gianni or? Um, was it you know what you know was it the journalist why would she do that because yeah. she fancies him would why would Gianna do that yeah and it's never revealed who did it because that's that's the that's the main place where you think oh it's her yeah and you think he's she's going to kill him now but then yeah. we we go on and we and we carlo um is identified in the picture but it's just kind of like such a there's such a hole in the plot yeah because if it if it's the killer, why is he still alive? Yeah. Um. And yeah, if it's the journalist, why? 
if it's the psycho teenager, why didn't she stick a pin for him? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, it, I don't know why, because the house is also burning down, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, he, and again, it sort of fits in with him being the damsel in distress. Um, but if Gianna hit him on the head, why did she hit him on the head? Because I'm sure she just, what did she want a challenge of dragging a, you know, a fully grown man through a burning house? Or um, is it Carlo or, uh, trying to save him? Yeah. Which makes no sense at all. I mean, I mean, it's 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 the setup, isn't it, to get him into the caretaker's house so he finds a picture on the on the wall. Yes, but surely there's like a better way to to do that. You know, he goes over and says, "Oh, I found a dead body in the in the house." Yeah. What what the hell is that picture? Something. It's just like this real odd scene of him just getting whacked around the head. And yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do my bit. Like once again, if you know the answer, postcodes to a uh, postcards <laughs> to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if anybody knows, please let me know because <laughs> I'm fucked if I know on this one. Um, right, we got to talk about it. The big reveal. Yes. Um, how did you feel about the big reveal? So the first time I watched this, I didn't notice. So I was I was in Marcus's position. I I didn't notice that the person in the the reflection of the of the picture had a human being stood there. Yeah. Um, second time because I've obviously seen it before. I was looking for it. Yeah. So then you so then you know the killer from minute one. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a spoiler. Uh, <laughs> But I think again, it's back to that emasculation, isn't it? Yeah. You expect you you so um, kind of conditioning. Um, you're expecting a man, aren't you? You're expecting the murderer to be a man. Yes. Um, yeah. it's a little old lady. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, Clara, like I said at the beginning, Carla, um, uh, Carla May, you know huge star um, of the Italian uh, neorealism movement in the 30s and 40s. Um, And I think in any other film, you could probably, on the surface, see her, this, you know, sort of taking the the, the sort of the hagsploitation role. You know, the sort of, you know, Joan Crawford, Bette Davis kind of... um, kind of sort of mould as you know what happened to baby jane the gorgon those kind of roles but actually again what what argento does really cleverly he's playing with gender yeah um and it's it's, it's really like you said it's it's really interesting is that we've got you know and it's a film i think essentially it is a film about um male emasculation yeah. and because her murdering her husband yeah sets obviously her son into a spiral of alcoholism and sort of you know questioning himself and sort of almost self being self destructive for a number of reasons and then we yeah. get Marcus who just can't you know again is not physically 
um able to sort of and you know if we think about like the machismo of italian cinema at times um is is the the antithesis of that yeah and here we've got this old lady who is again immensely strong overpowering men and slamming their heads into things <laughs> murdering them and over you know and we go back to this idea of the old killing the young and the young killing the versus the old it's it's all blended up into her character um yeah and then she gets this absolutely badass decapitation yeah it's full-on awesome yes how sharp <laughs> was that necklace oh man i just uh the way they think these things up is just brilliant though isn't it yeah it's just like and that is a thick ass necklace. Looks oh. like a chainsaw blade. Yeah. I mean, um, somewhere um, out in the Bay of Naples, there was like a boat floating off because they'd stolen like the chain that held the anchor on. Yeah. Keep that nailed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good finale. Um, and we and we find out as well, don't we, that not only Carla wasn't only a witness to the murder, was he? Stuck yeah. the knife in as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's kind of weird that scene is so. All those old scenes, like when he's a little boy, and yeah, dressed in his knee-high socks and everything, it all feels so surreally odd, doesn't it's, it? It's just it's, so. It's like a scene on a play, isn't it? It's like, discomforting. Yeah. And again, and like, and it goes back to like, like I said, it, this film feels very theatrical. Um, mm. Even to when, you, when you look at the blocking for this and you look at the staging of this, it is very, very theatrical. The space between the actors where they stood, nobody's like sat near each other. Nobody's stood near each other. Um, but even down to where they return to the theatre and they start reenacting um, the psychics, yeah. you look at the staging and that, that's a play. Um, yeah. You know, and I mean, I know um, Argento will go back and look at uh, and sort of tackle opera quite literally in opera. Yeah. <laughs> but the theatricality of this, um, it is it, it is very, very stagey. It's very, very stagey at times. Yeah, it absolutely is. You know, and it's sort of, you know, it, it, it has that sort of um, grand guignol feel to it as well with the blood and the violence and the sort of <clears throat> discomforting atmosphere that it has with it um but what what's you know, but we get that we get these scenes here but then we also get these bizarre scenes of comedy in it yeah yeah where marcus and gianni are, are in the car together yeah and the seat breaks the and seat... we can't get it out and yeah. it's climbing through the roof and it's like yeah, it's um, it, I I find the I find the, the the light relief quite. No, I don't want to say jarring because it's not that. It isn't really. It's just kind of misplaced, unexpected. Yeah, misplaced. Yeah, that's perfect. <clears throat> it's just like what what are we trying? What are you trying to achieve here? Like we said before, that relationship doesn't go anywhere. No. It's a lot of investment of investment into it, especially with the added minutes from the uh, the Arrow release. Yeah, it's like um, it's so interesting. 
it's so kind of um, Roger Moore, James Bondy. Yeah, yeah, it is. You almost expect him the seat to like completely break and him to be led flat down. Yeah, know, flat out. It's sort of, it's. Do you know what it kind of reminded me of? Is the comedy coppers from the last house on the left? They yeah. show up in the original, and you're just like, this. this, this what are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing that you know he could be trying to do is, is sort of try, like I said, just just let the let the steam valve off a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let the let yeah, and then let the tension rebuild, and then let it off, and then let it. I mean, I guess that's quite a common way of making this kind of psychological tense thriller, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, because. If you don't do that, you end up with seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> essentially, yeah. That's a really good point. Um, but it's, yeah, it's it's kind of misplaced in you know because, like you said, this is a film about the violence being front and center. Yeah. Um. But we get, like you said, you get these these weird, these weird scenes of comedy in it. Um. So, what works for you in this one? Um, obviously the way it's shot. Yeah. Um, the casting. Yeah. It's great in this. Um, I think this, I think the story, um, I like how linear it is. Mm. Um, and I think what definitely works for me as a whodunit, there's a lot of, there's a lot of times where you flirt with pretty much all the cast being, potential murderers yeah which is no easy feat no no because um, even when you go to carlo's apartment and you have a, a brief you know you spend a brief bit of time with his boyfriend you think yeah. here is it was is there a connection there you know who's who's this guy wise carlo so messed up yeah. kind of thing um so i think that i think that's really powerful um I mean, there's master, mastery in the way it's shot, isn't there? Oh. Um, so, yeah, I think that... The, obviously, the soundtrack works. Um, really, really great murder scenes. You know, a lot of thought has been put into them. Uh, very, you know, very, very jello-type yeah. murders. Yeah. Um, don't They don't hold back, do they? No. It's all about it's all about shock tactics. Yeah. Um. I've, I mean, it's a great film. I mean, the locations are fantastic. Yeah. Um. Bizarrely, though, they caught the. It's shot in Turin, uh, and they, okay. they, they they sort of it's not Rome, but they said it's sort of, right. you know, but but it is. I mean, Turin is beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it is. Beautiful. Um. Yeah. What didn't work for you? So, I, I, I don't, I don't think the light relief works. <laughs> no, I think it's um, Yeah, I think we've covered. I think we've covered that. Uh, I don't think I can't say that the the added scenes don't work because I mean that's a choice, isn't it? You can you can choose which version mm. to watch. Mm. Um, I don't think they add anything. It's a lot of the, a lot of that stuff is is. Um, Marcus and Gianna. Yeah. Um, which, like we said, 
I think the fact that that doesn't go anywhere doesn't doesn't work for me. Yeah. Um, the 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 police chief again, <laughs> kind of the the light relief of him stood there eating a sandwich and and complaining yeah. about his coat being just, ripped. Yeah, and just kind of just like taking the piss out of him. He's kind of like, oh, you're a pianist. You know, well, yeah. <laughs> is that is that a job? Kind of, I uh, just like it's a bit, la- it's a bit lame. Yeah. Um. It's, I think, it's slow. I think it, it, it watching it the second time, it's so much slower than I thought it was. Yeah. Um, and at times, I did whilst watching this check how far into the runtime I was. Yeah, which is an obvious sign for me that things aren't happening happening quickly enough. Yeah. Um. But again, like what like often happens when I chat to you about stuff when when you pull it apart, I think you in this film you see more good than there is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not not good. Um. Marcus is brilliant. Yeah. I think he. I think he's really, he just really fits the role, doesn't he? He's not like a, what I like about his character and the way he plays it is he remains inquisitive. Yes. The whole way through. And that, and that's what leads to the really great ending that he's, when he's in the square. Yeah. And it kind of dawns on him that he was with Carlo. Yeah. 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 And he, and, you get a great scene, don't you, where he walks down and he notices the, the, the picture in the mirror and he's kind of like, oh, it's, you know, he's, yeah. he's kind of shocked that he missed it, isn't he? He's like, yeah. how did I miss that? It was a mirror. Um, and and those paintings, Jesus Christ, yes. are they scary as fuck. <laughs> how would you Man. have them in your house? Why? Why would Why? you have them? Oh, you would be one miserable Piece oh. of shit if you had those pictures in your house. It's like having a Hieronymus Bosch, you know, <laughs> attached to your ceiling so you wake up every morning looking at it. <laughs> it's just so bad. But yeah, I, I, it's, um, I think more works than doesn't. Um, yeah. The light, the light relief. I mean, there's there's one part that I really like in the kind of light relief is where he's on the phone and the guy's still making the coffee. Yes. And, uh, it's just, yeah. It's just getting. Blasted with steam. Yeah. And he's, that bit's quite, but the, I mean, the chair breaking and climbing out of the roof and. Yeah. That. But don't get me wrong, it's, uh, it's a pretty special film. Yes. Yeah, what about you? Um, I mean, this, I, I think from a filmmaking point of view, it is just, it is a masterclass. From, like I said, like, you know, even down to like that idea that, you know, the, the, um, the depth of field. Um, in this, it's just, it's just, it's just brilliant. Um, the use again is use of color, the movement, the it's a real filmmaking masterclass. Yeah. Um, that being said, I think it's the fact that it's just a very, very simple whodunit. Yeah, and yet they get to hang all this imagery and layers of you know of gen you know gender gender stereotyping you know people have even argued about the sort of um the sort of the political elements 
of this film, um, which I'm not going to go into because I don't fully understand it myself. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but it is. It is. I think it's. I think, you know, there were hundreds of jellos made. Yeah, hundreds of jellos made, and you got like people like, um, you know, don't give it. I love Fulci. Fulci is, you know, my is is my all my one of my all time favorite directors, um, and I don't think he gets anywhere near enough credit as he should. Um, don't get me wrong, he made some shite, um, <laughs> but he is still, you know, he's still a just a just a legend. Uh, yeah. And you've got like people like Sergio Martino, Umberto Lindsay, these you know these great directors all made Jallo films and they made good Jallo films, but I think Argento, um, you know he he did master it. Yeah. Um, you know Bava's Blood and Black Lace is is a phenomenal piece of work, phenomenal piece of work. Um. But if that's really the sort of the beginning of the genre, I think uh, I, I think Argento mastered it in this. Yeah, um, it's 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 just it's great. The bits and there's no. no oh, go, sorry. Yeah, go. Yeah, I was bits, just going to say there's, there's no cheat tricks in it, as though no, like we were saying about no. you know like Dracula 3D and stuff like that. There's there's no praying mantis. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> or filming nude scenes of of your daughter, what the fuck? <laughs> um, but yeah, like like I said, this, don't get me wrong, this is not perfect. At times, I think sometimes you know when you know, some of the performances of some of the lesser characters are not great. Um, yeah. I think you know, like I said, the, the, the comedy relief, you kind of go, okay, I kind of get what you're trying to do with it, but uh, I, <laughs> yeah, could, please I could, yeah, please don't. Um, but if this is a sense, like I, did he make the Jallo to end all Jallos? Is the question. Um, I don't know if he did. He's come pretty bloody close, though. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, I don't think he did. I agree, it's close. I think there's there's probably stuff out there that that I definitely haven't seen yet that probably that will come close. Do you know what would be really interesting uh, to follow this up with? Would be what? Tinabra. Yeah. It'd yeah, that's... Um, very, very interesting to, see, to go back and look at Tinabra. Um, yeah, I've got that. I've got the Arrow version of that as well. Um, it's yeah. really... It's really good. It's really good. I... Um, that's got some bizarre scenes in it. Yes! It's more... Yeah. It's more um, more of the titillation yeah in that one it's one of the reasons that i like this one because it feels more grown up yes do you know even though it's like it has that nudity element of jello removed yeah that actually so you take the adult films the adult themes away and it makes it instantly feel more grown up doesn't it yeah well it doesn't feel like the you don't get the scene of the that doesn't it, it's not there. So because you don't get that that moment where you know going oh boobs, 
yeah you don't because you don't have that moment all the other themes and all the other you know the story comes to the forefront yeah because i was going to say like a lot of that because of the set because of the time taken to set those bits up it comes at the cost of story doesn't it yeah absolutely absolutely right are we going to score this one it's, it's difficult for me um because i rated it so highly on the first watch i was like up at 8.5 i would have said after yeah. i first watched it because it blew me away yeah um, and I've, I've seen a lot more jello since i saw that so I'd, I'd seen um suspiria mm. like the week before and then i watched this and i loved Sus- suspiria absolutely loved it i think one of the first things i did after watching that was by the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, and then it, I was led to Deep Red via the Goblin route. Mm. Uh, and I watched it and, I, and it just blew me away. And then when I watched this in the week, it didn't blow me away. But again, like I was, like I was saying earlier, like this is the thing with ratings. Yeah. Because when, when I watched this earlier this week, I was probably... At a seven, yeah, um, and like a pushed, you know, a push to a seven, because I really didn't, it really didn't feel that great. Mm. And then after, after you know, going through it with you now and thinking about that first viewing and thinking about what what actually happens in this film, I'm thinking it's a fucking brilliant movie. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, so I mean, I, I yeah. would, I'd probably come in at about a nine. Yeah. I'd come in at a yeah. nine. But then I think there are some days if you, you, you could watch it and you go, uh, uh, maybe an eight, 8.5. Yeah, I, I probably... think I'm going to go at eight. And I think that's down to the pace. Yeah, yeah. I I, I just, it is beautifully, beautifully shot. And it is a really clean grown up who done it um as it's beautiful there's a lot of thought in it the music's fantastic yeah um but there's just parts where i think i'm waiting mm. come on i'm just i need more i need stop setting up a scene with the journalist that's not going to go anywhere yeah. give me something a bit quicker a bit scarier yes. a bit yeah. you know yeah yeah. Something like that. Um maybe like replacing that with something a bit more intense and when he's in the house, because nothing happens when he's in the no, house. No, no, and you wanted to. And that you know, because that as a backdrop. <sighs> you're begging for a jump scare, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. It, absolutely you are. But he doesn't get so yeah. But then I suppose that is you know, is is he doing that is Argento doing that on purpose? You know? This is you going into the haunted house, but I'm not going to give you any scares. Yeah, and you just think, yeah, because yeah, he goes into that really a dangerous part of it where it's partially flooded and yeah, you know, he's, he's you know jumping from one sunken bit of piano to the next, and you're like, you know, <laughs> where's the dead body popping up in the water? Or yeah, you know, I just... mean, if it had been Fulci, somebody would have been spewing worms up, and yeah. you know. There would have been something stuck in somebody's eye. 
Yeah. And it would have been yeah. a zombie coming out of the ground. <laughs> but oh no, Argento was all grown up in this one. <laughs> be a zombie fighting a shark. Yeah. <laughs> Which was... Yeah, I think I've watched that. Uh, I've watched, That's Zombie 2, isn't it? Yeah. I've watched that before yeah. Deep Red. I mean, Zombie Fighting a Shark is one of my favourite movie <laughs> moments of, just of all time. It's just insane. It's just amazing. It's I just a love it. man trying to bite the tiger shark. It's like, what is fucking wrong <laughs> with you, man? <laughs> but yeah, um, I, think, I think an eight yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's yeah. I mean, I give it an I think, but I would pro I could probably drop down. I think depending on mood and everything else. I mean, you've watched it three times, haven't you? This yeah, week, so. I have. Yeah. If you I mean, if you can do that in the same week, then it's deserving of a nine, isn't it? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. films that you can watch that frequently in a short space of time yeah that's deserves deserving of a high score isn't it oh yeah i think so i think so and i think for me i love like i said it is it, it's a master class and it's just such a shame that argento's not only has he like dropped off he's like bungee jumped without a cord off the into the abyss of like what the fuckery yeah. in terms of what he's making what he's doing you know, he really. I. I just. I don't know. I just hope that he, he either leaves it alone, or he finds a bit of form again. Yeah, it's it's interesting though, isn't it? It happens in everything, doesn't it? It's just. Yeah. It's that debut album thing, isn't it? I don't. I don't know. Kind of. Is it? I always think of like Oasis. Yeah. Like their first two albums were so tight. Yeah. And then they were rich. And it's like, is it that you're no longer hungry? Yeah. Well, I you know suppose I mean? it's, it's, yeah, it's higher yeah. the tiger, isn't it? I guess. Yeah, it's... yeah. Or it's that band when they go through their dancey phase. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. All right. Yeah. Looking at your story off on X. <laughs> <laughs> Give us more like Tramp's Vest. That's what we want. Yeah, that's it. That's it. But yeah, um, another good. I think I recommended this one, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. Um, another good film to uh, to to pull apart. It's um... that... no go on. No, I was just going to say, it's just um, it's interesting how taking the time to actually think about the film, talk about it, instead of like rating and then moving on. Yeah. To actually justify your rating with discussion really opens up at the airwaves, doesn't it? Like, oh, absolutely, like, absolutely. What, what is it that you actually like and dislike about something? Yeah, I mean, because you can watch something. You know, you, I mean, if you watch this once and you go, eh, "Yeah, I like that," because it's on the surface, it's this, 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 and this, and this, and you just think, "Okay," but actually, what's what's kind of enriched the experience of watching it is is understanding the themes behind it, the ideas behind it, the artistry that's gone into it. Um, It's, you don't get that with everything. And I don't, and I think there are some films that you don't need to pull apart. You don't need to dissect them. It's like, you know, like Ghostbusters, for example. 
yeah. you you don't need to dissect that bit by bit. You don't need to look at the th- you know the themes of gender and role reversal and those kind of things within Ghostbusters because it's not that kind of film. Whereas Deep Red, uh, Tinabra, um, City of the Dead, The Beyond, you know, y- you can go to there's so much in that. Yeah. There's so much more in that. Um and I think there's a time and, a, and there's a time and a place to sort of do you know to take those films apart. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you um you did a great Ghostbusters didn't you recently? Yeah. 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 Oh, thank um, you very much. And it was um and it was it was about enjoying yeah. Some brilliance. Yeah. That is Ghostbusters. Um, yeah. And I mean, I mean, that is just one hell of a piece of work. Oh, it's just it will, st- it will, it will stand the test of time, as Steve Red has, yeah, for very, very different reasons. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, it it completely is. And like you said, there are some films that will stand the test of time, and there will some that rightly won't. Yeah, you know, uh, and. But they can be perfect in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like I am absolutely convinced that lots of the big superhero films that have dominated for so long will disappear. Um Yeah. And people will look at them and they'll go, Oh yeah, there was you know, the great film. But I don't think they have the substance. I don't yeah, think they have the yeah. substance. I think there are there are a couple. Of, I think you know. I think Black Panther is a stunning film. Now that I've actually watched it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a stunning film. And I think out of all of the the Avengers movies and those, you know, it's it's the it's so good. It's such a strong film. But equally, think, that's not a film to dissect. Oh no, I think they're great. I think they're great for 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 a one off watch where all you want to do. It's just what you know. Just past time, yeah. being entertained with whether that's humor, explosions, you know. Yeah. There's um, it's one of the, can't remember which Avengers movie it is, but it's got Chris Pratt and Chris Helmsworth, and he's doing his like Thor voice. Yeah. Yeah, and Chris Pratt is mimicking him. Yeah. And they're saying, like, uh, why, why are you talking about it? What do you mean? This is how I always talk. And it's just, the way that he does it, it just had me absolutely laughing my ass off. And I'm like, I'm watching Avengers here. I didn't expect to laugh like this. There's no. a lot of humor in them. Yeah. It's not something that I would own. It's no. not something, you know, that I want my kids to pull off the shelf in 20 years and go, oh, I wonder, you know, wonder what my dad was thinking when he bought this. It's kind of like... I was in the moment. I watched it. It was great. I watched a film on Prime last night called Unlocked, mm. um, which is like a CIA um, in London working with the MFI. It's very kind of 24 and spooks. Yeah. Hybrid mix-up kind of thing. It was great. Uh, full of plot holes. <laughs> uh, Orlando Bloom doing the worst Cockney accent you've ever heard. But for a Saturday night, you know, with a big lump of chocolate and, you know, a couple of beers, it was the perfect... Absolutely. 
end to like a you know a hard day's work. So yeah. it's just like it's that's the beauty of film. That's what it's all about. Yeah. It's like picking the moment. You know, you can't always have a can't always be searching out the IMDb. 10 out of 10s. No, no. Schindler's List. No. On a Saturday night when all you want to do is is escape and enjoy something. And that, I mean, I would recommend that film. I wouldn't buy it. I wouldn't own it. Like, it's on Prime at the moment. Yeah. Just, you know, it's really short. Yeah. Watch it, have have fun with it, and then, you know, move on. It's disposable, isn't it? It is disposable. Yeah, yeah. It is disposable. Yeah. So, my friend, we come to the end of another one. It was good. Oh, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure, my mate. Always a pleasure. I love uh, I love talking through these movies. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I am sure you will be back very, very soon. Yeah, without doubt, mate. You take care, my friend. Cheers, man. Catch no you soon. Tell her, bye. Bye-bye. As always, I want to say a huge thank you to my amazing co-host, Mr. Darren Hall. Thank you so much for being on, kind sir. And I'm sure you will be back very, very, very soon. Okay, up next we have got What the Wookiee Watched. And here we're going to be looking at City of the Dead, a.k.a. Hotel Horror from 1960. Let's check out the trailer. Burn witch, burn witch, burn, burn, burn. So sorry the people of Whitewood when they burned Elizabeth Selwyn in 1692. Going to a place called Whitewood for a week or so to do some research. Whitewood? How many God-fearing folks visit Whitewood nowadays? Any witches buried there? There are indeed. On Candlemas Eve, a coven of witches gathered beneath the Raven's Inn to perform a black mass in the honor of Lucifer. The witch, Elizabeth Selwyn, marked a young girl for sacrifice. Leave Whitewood. Leave Whitewood tonight. Okay, that was the trailer for City of the Dead, or Horror Hotel, as it was known as in the US. Uh, This was released in 1960. It stars Patricia Giselle, Dennis Lotz, Christopher Lee, Tom Naylor, and Better St. John. Um, This, of course, Sir Christopher Lee, I should say, the legendary Sir Christopher Lee. Um, And this follows uh, the story of a young college student portrayed by Patricia Giselle, who is studying the history of witchcraft in Salem, Massachusetts, and she sets out to carry out some research in a small little town uh, that's almost been forgotten about, uh, but very, very soon she um, discovers its dark 
Secret. Um, this is a brilliant film. This is so good. Um, I'm I'm amazed. I, I'm surprised I didn't get round to seeing this sooner. This is a fantastically gothic, fog-drenched. I don't know if you can be drenched in fog, but there is fog everywhere in this film. It is absolutely brilliant. Christopher Lee is superb as the villain in this. He is absolutely wonderful. Um, I really, really enjoyed his performance in this. Um, this is a hugely influential film. Um, one of the, but notably, it is the first film released by a small production company called Vulcan Productions here in the UK, which would go on to become the legendary Amicus Productions. This film is also hugely influential in music. I mean, Rob Zombie sampled uh, Christopher Lee's lines, um, Fear, Superstition and Jealousy, um, at the beginning of his awesome track, Dragula. Um, and Iron Maiden used uh, clips of this in their music video for Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter, one of my all-time favourites. Just an awesome, awesome track. This film looks fantastic. Um, it's black and white. It looks amazing. I don't think this would have worked in colour in any way, shape or form, but it is, it just looks stunning. It is shot beautifully. Um, you know, some of the supporting cast are a little bit stiff, and at times they... Um, their American accents dip in and out. Um, that's me being really, really nitpicky. Um, but this film builds tension beautifully. Um, even manages to pull a bit of a psycho on us. Um, but, you know, so not giving too much away. But this is so good. It is amazing. It, is, it Honestly, need to go and see. You need to watch this. Uh, it's available on Amazon Prime. And uh, for me, this is an 8 out of 10. It is a must-see. So go and check it out. Well, ladies and gentlemen, our time draws to an end. And as always, I want to say a huge thank you to everybody who has interacted with me in, and our co-hosts and everybody else on Twitter, on Instagram and on Facebook. Don't forget, you can find the Undead Wookiee. Just type in the Undead Wookiee. There's not many of us about and you can find us on all those social media platforms. Thank you so much. We'd really appreciate it. I'm really, really humbled. Um, I can't wait for you to hear this episode. I'm really, really, really pleased with this. Um, once again, I want to say a massive thank you uh, to the awesome Darren Hall for being on. So thank you very much. And we'll be back with us very, very soon. So remember, guys, we're still in lockdown. But there may be light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know, it could be a train coming towards us, but there's light nonetheless. So just remember to wash your hands, stay indoors. If you've got to go out, keep your distance and wear a mask. But more importantly, be kind to each other out there because it's tough. So in the immortal words of Count Dacula, good night out there, whatever you are.